A reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving greater honor to the inferior member that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are you all apostles? Are you all prophets? Are you all teachers? Do you all work miracles? Do you all possess gifts of healing? Do you speak in tongues? Do you all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts, And I will show you still a more excellent way. This is one of our sacred letters. Thanks be to God. The Apostle Paul says, Now the very member you think unnecessary is, in fact, indispensable. Now none of us would go around saying, So-and-so seems dispensable to me. But... Even though we might not say it, it's possible we've thought it. And even if we don't consciously think it, maybe we treat certain people as more dispensable than others. Maybe it's in how much or how little attention we pay to them. Maybe it's in the way we talk about them when they aren't around. It's somewhat human nature to categorize and rank people. Even the most generous helpers among us 
might rank who is neediest and worthy of their help and create a hierarchy that way. Helper up here, the helped one down here. Sometimes helping churches are the worst because in order to always be the helper, you can never need the help. Meaning you must maintain the illusion of perfect. You must remain above the normal grind of human existence, which most of us attempt to do on occasion, and of course this is ridiculous. It's as if the hand were to say to the head, I'm so glad you're here so I have something to scratch. The hand has forgotten that the head has a purpose of its own, that it isn't just here for the hand to help. Sometimes we helper churches work so hard to mend people, we forget they are people, not projects, and that they, whoever they are, have something to offer just as much as we do. Paul says, if you think someone in the body of Christ is lesser than you, think twice, because the first thought was wrong. Or, if you think you are an insignificant member for whatever reason, think twice. You are of immeasurable worth. You cannot say that just because you aren't like such and such person, you don't belong to the body. Nonsense. You belong. And so does your neighbor. And so does the baby babbling in the back. So does the new guy. And so does the Alzheimer's patient. Everyone belongs. There is no one to whom the church says, we don't really need you. That is, when the church is functioning at its best, as the body of Christ, no one is discounted or dismissed. No one is dispensable. But we all know, and many of us know by experience, that in practice, the church often gets it wrong. Some of you were cut off or cut out from other churches. And so now you are here, finding your home. Some of you are here wishing you were home, but maybe still, still feeling on the outside, like you don't quite belong even here. Some of you have been deeply wounded by churches that did not accept you into the club. Some of you are still waiting to find out, will they accept me here? It's difficult being afoot at a church where hands are popular, for example. Or try being an eyeball when noses and ears are all the rage. Sometimes, no matter where you go, you stick out like a sore thumb, even if you're actually just a harmless little pinky finger. The point is, bodies are difficult. When everything operates smoothly as it's supposed to, the body is a beautiful thing. But if you've ever had a body that didn't operate smoothly all the time, you know it can be a real pain. So how, as a church, can we get it right? Like, I really don't want to be yet another church that hurts and discards people, am I right? 
Yes. We've got, we've got enough of those. So let's not add to the collective pain. Let's be unique. Let's be a body that heals. The thing is, though, bodies are human. Church bodies are made up of human bodies, and inevitably, humans fail us. So we can start healing by setting aside perfection as a goal. Perfection only happens when you are dead, so stop trying to get there. We want to be a healing, active verb, body, not a healed, past tense one. I'm sorry to break it to you. This church is never going to be perfect. Lakeshore will disappoint you. Some of you are like, yeah, I know that already. (laughs) But I think it is important to name it out loud that perfection is not our goal here. And this isn't about lowering our expectations as if to say, fine, I'll belong to a C-minus church if God really wants me to. It's about setting our expectations in the right direction. Like the question isn't, did we get it right? Did we get it right? Did we get it right? The question is, do we know how to practice repentance when we get it wrong? The question is not, did we keep the tithers happy? The question is, have we delighted in God? In what ways does God delight in us? The question isn't, whose fault is it that things aren't going the way I like? The question is, who has God brought through these doors for me to learn from and to love? I mentioned in my last sermon that the main problem for the church in Corinth was a socioeconomic one. The wealthy were being valued over the poor. For the church in Corinth, the weaker members probably didn't give as much money. And they didn't possess any of the cool spiritual gifts, like, I don't know, preaching. (laughs) Just to pick a random gift. Well, seriously, though, these people, these weaker members, couldn't speak in tongues, couldn't even interpret them, the losers. But Paul had the utmost regard for them. And so he says, should you? Who, I wonder, are the weaker, poorer members among us? Usually I wouldn't name names, like from the pulpit, but I was thinking about it. And truthfully, two people did come to mind because financially speaking, They didn't have a lot to contribute to us when they were alive. I thought of Linda Olson, who just passed away, and I thought of Deborah Harris. I think I can name them as two people who any church might have underestimated if you judged according to their tithing record. Two people who lived paycheck to paycheck. Two people whose ill health greatly impaired their level of participation. Two people who had a lot of needs. But as many of you know, Deborah's final gift to Lakeshore was a significant portion of her wrongful death settlement, which ended up being the single largest financial gift Lakeshore has ever received. 
But of course, there is so much more gift to these two women than money. Think of Deborah's poetry and songs, for those of you who knew her. One of my all-time favorite, most sacred Lakeshore memories is that month before she died, when members of the Church of Christ youth group she had led in her younger years all came to Lakeshore to sing with her. Now old enough to have teenagers of their own, people drove in from around Texas to be here and sing because Deborah's impact on their life was that strong. And when they sang together, I was transported to a different place, a holy place, a place that you don't get to visit just any old day. And I think of Linda, how she connected with our youth group. After they went on a poverty simulation, Linda came and talked to them about real-life poverty. She put a name and a face to what before was just a concept. I still remember going with the youth to paint Linda's house. She insisted on a red front door, and if you knew Linda, a red door was no surprise. The purple hair did surprise me a little, I'll admit, but I think maybe that was before I really knew her. Of course, it's easy to remember people after they are gone. What I am really asking you, church, what Paul is really asking, is who is alive right now, but you've missed them. For example, the little people. The children here are a sheer delight, I tell you. Do you know each of their names? When was the last time you paused, I mean really paused, to have a serious conversation about Legos? If you haven't had one lately, you might be missing out on part of Christ's body. Who here do you not know yet? Who haven't you had in your home? Whose idea did you dismiss without really listening? The only way people know they are welcome here is if we welcome them. Not just from up here, but from down there. The thing about being Christ's body is we're kind of all he's got. It's up to us to do the loving, the welcoming, the healing, and the repairing. Do you remember that quote from Teresa of Avila that we've used here before? Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth, but yours. You are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, you are the body. Or, if the Apostle Paul were to say it, it would be, Christ has no body but us. No hands, no feet on earth but you and me. We are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. We are the feet with which he walks to do good. We are the hands with which he blesses all the world. We are the hands, we are the feet, we are the eyes, we are his body. O oh, sweet body of Christ.
to the best of our ability. Let us value each member, honor each member, notice each member, care for each member. Sometimes you have to start by valuing and caring for yourself. Because if you miss that step, you won't be good at much else. It is true that we are going to make mistakes and we are going to get hurt. But because we are irrevocably tied to the love of Christ, we can be a healing body, one that heals and heals and heals again. Active verb, active body. Oh Christ, infuse our body with your loving healing powers. Amen. <laughs>